people's court. Two meth heads and a very unpleasant heavy set woman. She can play all four turtles. Earmark that one for therapy. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's notional only. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Amy Schneider. This is Wolf Hall, episode four. Oh, we're not doing that? We're not doing what? <laughs> the, the probably married thing. Because I was going to say, Christ, we were young then, Harry, but... Oh, I thought we were done saying that. Oh, okay. Because now you're Amy Schneider. Well, that's true. But you can... Do you want to go back and do it? <laughs> Just for funsies? <laughs> sure. We were still not legally divorced. That's There's right. No that was my theory. To. Okay, hang yeah. on. <clears throat> <laughs> I think you should leave all that in, though. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's notional only. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you have me all fucked up in your head. I know. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's notional only. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Amy Schneider. We are properly married. Christ, we were young then, Harry. <laughs> what a snowball fight our wedding was. <laughs> In more ways than one. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Uh, everybody was on coke. That's No, they weren't, though. They definitely weren't. We would like to, yes, be very clear that there was no cocaine at our wedding. We've generally tried to avoid people who are on cocaine. Yeah, They're in general. annoying. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> listen, if you're doing cocaine, cut it out. <laughs> Nobody thinks you're cool. Yeah. And also, if you were at our wedding and we're on cocaine, we don't want to know. I do. Well, okay. I won't tell you, though. <laughs> well, if you, I want to know if you know. <laughs> this is too complicated. Yes. All right. Anyway, back to Wolf Hall, That's episode right. four. The Devil's Spit. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. The devil's damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but first, I just want to say uh, thanks to all of the cousins that have been uh, posting and tweeting and whatnot. Their messages of support for me as uh, being a trans woman. Uh, it's been very, very, very nice. Yeah. I have seen a lot of them, and they are very nice. Yes. So thank you a lot to all of you. Yeah. This is great. Mm-hmm. I'm also very nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I see you all the time, so I don't have to write you an email about no, it. No, you don't. <laughs> Although, you know, you could once in a while. Hey, I email you constantly. <laughs> I email you stuff that's funny. I emailed you that. Did you read that interview with yeah. Tatiana Maslany? I did read that and interview. And Tom Cullen? Yes. They are weird. They are weird. They are so weird. Yes. Like, and I'm not totally surprised that <laughs> she's weird. Right. But he is deeply weird. It turns out, yes. And yeah. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, he was raised traveling from folk festival to folk festival, apparently. Yeah. So, so that'll that'll do it. But yeah. I just love that she's like memorized Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two Secret <laughs> of Views. Yes. Like, wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. Wow. Just wow. Yeah. They should they should do a sequel, and she can play all four turtles. <gasps> they've done sequels. I know there was the time traveling one, right? But I agree with you. <laughs> also, I just hope because they both just moved to L.A., and I really hope they don't like beat the weird out of them because that yeah. was so enjoyable. It was very enjoyable. It was just like, yeah. I, I, you can't see the face that I'm making, but <laughs> right. it is a baffled face. Yeah. So that is an interview that is out there that I we are talking about. Yeah, I'll post it on the Facebook page. Sure you will. I do stuff. Don't, <laughs> Don't you mock me. Don't you mock me. Don't you mock me. God is not mocked, Sigh. <laughs> oh, Andy Kramed. Well, we've talked about every show in the world. Uh, incidentally, if you don't know, Tatiana Maslany plays 
the leads on <laughs> Orphan Black. Yes. And Tom Cullen played, uh, what's his fuzz from Downton Abbey? That one yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony. No? No. Uh, I don't think you, no. He well, wasn't. It was, it was Lord, uh, Gillingham. Tony. Yeah, Gilly. Anthony. Yeah, Tony Gilly. Was his, okay. Oh, Gilly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet he'd love our Gilly situation. <laughs> he'd be like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, but Wolf we're, Hall. Yeah, we're talking about Wolf Hall. Yes. And also, we've gotten some very nice feedback on the work we're doing on Wolf Hall. Oh, so, yeah. uh, you're all welcome. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we get our opening text, uh, it's, and it's, uh, it's a real, uh, cliffhanger of a text because it says, oh, his, his new child is born. She's coming back with a child. A daughter. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Which is bad news. No, I mean, it's legitimately it's bad, news bad news for everybody at this time. Yeah. Well, and it was funny to watch that, obviously, with you, you know, uh, changing genders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, like, man, gender. Yeah. Uh it's it's deeply ingrained. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. People wig out about it. <laughs> they really do. <laughs> I mean uh, arguably not so much as they used to, but they still wig out. Right. A lot. It's hard to say. Yeah. Uh yeah, and Henry just stares into space for a bit and then says, Call her Elizabeth, cancel the joust. <laughs> and, uh, I just imagine somebody outside being, oh, not the jousts. We, we can, can still, still have the jousts. <laughs> just a little one. Just a small one. <laughs> I wish that was the name of this episode. <laughs> Cancel the jousts. <laughs> because it's not as if the actual title is done verbatim. Right. It's not. That's true. That's true. Usually it is. Yeah. But this one is not. This oh. is referential. Take that. I can't. Something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know Whoever what. wrote this. <laughs> sure. Who wrote this? Uh, not two-time Booker Prize winner <laughs> Hillary Mantel, but whoever adapted it for the screen. I, I think I thought it was. I thought she, because well, I know she was involved with the play adaptation pretty heavily. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know, know either. Is the answer okay? Great. Yeah. Well, let's all continue not knowing until we try to figure that out. <laughs> That's right. I was productive. In Anne's chambers, she is staring into space. Cromwell is waiting for her to do something. <laughs> and then Elizabeth starts crying, and Anne looks just completely confused. Yeah. She has clearly not been around many babies. Yeah, well, they immediately take the baby away. And I read that partly because it's sort of portrayed that way in the book, that there's that Cromwell sees this pathos in it that she can't even have this normal human connection with mm-hmm. her baby because yeah. she's queen and just like she's wanting it but that's just I I think that reads here as yeah, well because yeah. she looks very confused and Cromwell says that he thinks that the baby was hungry you know he's trying to be helpful he's not really sure what's going on here yeah things are weird <laughs> weirder than usual yes they're yeah, usually this, pretty weird but yeah. Anne says that Elizabeth's household will be at Hatfield, so I guess she won't be around her uh, at all? I guess. That seems dumb. Yeah, um, that I mean, seems typically dumb yeah. of rich people. <laughs> <laughs> typically dumb. A tale of the rich. <laughs> so she now has this idea that Spanish Mary's household should be broken up and Spanish Mary should be a servant to Princess Elizabeth. And Cromwell's like... You cray. Like, that's not going to happen. Right. Because, like, you may have missed the memo, but your husband doesn't hate his first kid. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't. 
And, you know, regardless of what Anne thinks, Henry is bizarrely... He he strangely has a backbone about a few things. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. a few things where he's like, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. And that's probably one of them. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Anne also demands that Cromwell go to France and negotiate a marriage contract for her daughter. Yeah. And Cromwell's like, uh... You know she's a girl, right? Like we're not really like it's a, you know it's a buyer's market here. <laughs> yeah, and he's also just like I'm not going to do that. Like just no, that's not, you know. I mean he doesn't say anything obviously, but he just stands Well, she that, says to him you're being difficult or, or unwilling, something. I think. Unwilling. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, you had a girl." Like <laughs> your stock is down. I'm not yeah. doing anything. Oh yeah, well that was Maybe in the previous scene when uh the king walks out and yeah yeah and, and they say it's well it's Norfolk and Suffolk and uh the, Thomas Boleyn and George Boleyn is there too I think which one is George is that the brother yeah okay there's so many Boleyns yeah there are uh there's a murder of Boleyns <laughs> so he like oh he didn't ask about the queen and then is it Norfolk who says hardly matters now or, I think no I think Thomas Boleyn yeah that. I think so yeah, yeah well he doesn't like having to feed people so <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah um, so then in like, uh, the king's ante room or somewhere. Well, this is where Cromwell first met him. I don't know what you call that. Right. But right. it's where the king walks through and he's like, I'll talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of you kick rocks. <laughs> uh, so Cromwell sees Jane Seymour sitting in a window playing with a dog. Who looks like maybe Anne's dog? Yeah. So maybe it is. We're not sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is never clarified and is presumably not that important right i just picked up on it and i was like dog yeah so then as cromwell is standing there watching this (laughs) jenny lee aka jane rochford like looms up out of the shadows (laughs) behind him (laughs) we laughed so hard we were just like this bitch what is she doing why is she here yeah oh Oh, she's like Mrs. Danvers in that Mitchell and Webb look. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. So that was great. And so she says that if uh, Cromwell wants Jane Seymour, he should ask for her. And again, Cromwell's like, her? I don't know what the deal is with her and me. Like, will we? Won't we? Does it even matter? That's never going to be resolved. Yeah. Uh, and she also says that, uh, she, like, he says that he's not interested and she's like, oh, whatever, I keep my eyes open and I could keep my eyes open and say in the Queen's Chambers where there's a lot of nimble young men around. You, you get what I'm saying? Get what I'm saying? And, uh, he's like, not really that interested. Well, but he basically is just like, well, because she says something about, you know, she'll be out of the King's favor until her belly swells again. Mm. And, um... You know, that'll only happen if the king's up to it and Cromwell's like, careful. Yeah. Not unlike the Republic of Gilead in The Handmaid's Tale. (laughs) Male infertility, not a thing. Yeah. Not a thing. Mm -hmm. Not possible. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know if you've heard, men are perfect and can do no wrong. (laughs) Yeah. This will, uh, yeah, this comes up again in uh, Anne's trial later. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, and then she's talking shit about Mark, who's also playing with the dog, and saying that he's like a jumped-up nobody looking for his chance. 
Uh, and Cromwell says, but then I suppose he says the same thing about me, and I'm sure you do. And then he drops the mic, yeah. walks away. Everybody's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And then, you know, that music plays. You know, you know how Family Matters is. <laughs> <laughs> It's the real love of the family. This is not the first time we've done that on this podcast. I know we have definitely done the Family Matters theme song before. I would have to think. Man, I wonder if that show holds up at all. I can't imagine that it does. I feel like parts of it might. Probably parts of it, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot of really rapey stuff happening between Steve and Laura. Yeah. Yeah. But he he did the Urkel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he 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 did. He became a whole different person. I read a great article year like in the early days of the internet about how stupid that was. Yeah. It's like if your nerdy classmate comes and he's like, you know, like Jeremy or whatever, and he's like just startedly starts doing a weird dance and says, hey, everybody, do the Jeremy, you'd all just beat him up. Yeah. You wouldn't all start doing the dance. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't. Yeah. Although I would be like, oh, everyone hates that guy. He'd probably date me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, earmark that one for therapy. Um <laughs> So Rafe is walking with Cromwell and says that the queen sees enemies everywhere. And Cromwell is like, yeah, she should. She didn't have a son. Uh, yeah. That was her whole job. Yeah. Didn't do her job. There's all these other families that are like, oh, well, he's already ditched one queen. Like, mm-hmm. he could, you know, it's just like, you know, yep. my mom would always talk shit about people who <laughs> like, you know, they left their marriage for somebody and be like, why would that person trust that person ever? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're crazy, mom. <laughs> but she's not totally crazy. She's not totally she's crazy. She's got a point. She has a point. It just depends on what your value systems are. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the Holy Maid continues popular. <laughs> uh, she has received a letter from Mary Magdalene illuminated in gold. Wow. Everyone is quite impressed. <laughs> except for Cromwell, who says to bring her in for questioning. <laughs> uh, so we see Richard Rich questioning. All right. So Richard Rich is the, uh, the, the solicitor, the solicitor general. general. Yeah. I was like, who is this guy? This yeah. is really when the who's this guy gets bad. Yeah. Like, I've been able to keep up with it until this point. Mm-hmm. But, like, every 10 minutes, I was like, who dat? <laughs> yeah. Who dat? Why does he look like that other guy? <laughs> <laughs> and again, luckily, Amy has read the book 47,000 times. Yes. It really is your royal we. <laughs> yes, it is. It really is. <laughs> For sure. And that is the difference between us. Is that your royal we is two books that are way complicated. And mine is like, oh, is she going to marry a prince? <laughs> she got real drunk. <laughs> drunk, drunk, drunk. Yeah. Like, for example, I think Audley is in this scene, the chancellor, and he looks exactly like Cranmer to the point where it's kind of annoying that they cast mm-hmm. them that way. But whatever. Uh, so this fucking scene. Yeah, <laughs> these people. So they're all asking questions about like the devil and what he looks like, and like one time he Monty Burns. Yeah. <laughs> one time he he tempted her as a young man, and she rejected him. So he spat in her face, 
and uh, they wiped it off and kept a handkerchief and it smells bad or whatever. Yeah, and, and Dom Edwards shows it off for money and she says, offerings. <laughs> yeah. Remember, this is Esme from Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Man, they always play so coy with Peaky Blinders and when that's coming back. I know. Arr! I know. It makes me so mad. Yeah, likewise, but there's nothing to be done. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, I was just I, I like it because if I had been in the room and she was like, offerings, I would have been like, offerings of money, yeah, right? Money. Like, what, yeah. Like, are they giving you chickens? Chickens <laughs> are just money that walks around and lays eggs. <laughs> Delicious money. <laughs> <laughs> um, they point out that she said the king wouldn't reign a month and he's been reigning for more than a month. Uh, but she says he's not the real king in the eyes of God. And they're like, yeah, but that's not what you said, though. Right. You're crazy. Yeah. So, and then they're like, so, all these, uh, you know, Plantagenet, like, potential heirs, uh, you know, you've picked, you've picked one of them, not the other. Do you, do you maybe not tell them apart? And she's like, oh no, all these people come to me. And they're like, fantastic. That's exactly what we wanted you to say. <laughs> It was actually fun. I was hanging out with a, a lawyer friend earlier today, and she was talking about a really fun deposition she had had. So I was thinking about it during the yeah. scene. We're just like nailing the witness. Uh huh. Yeah. Anyway, um, she says that uh, God is sending a plague to England uh, that will kill everyone in that room. And uh, Cromwell says, even my niece Alice, who's never done you any harm. And she's like, oh, all the children of her house are heretics, which is a, a scene I liked a little. Um, I, look, this is so full of good scenes that yeah. I feel like I did a bad job recapping. Oh, man. Because I was just staring slack-jawed at mm-hmm. Mark Rylance and various others and yeah. being like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. This is so good. This is an episode that doesn't even deal with a plot point that I give two shits about. <laughs> yeah. But this might be the best episode of the entire series. It might be. It's, yeah. It's so good. It's yeah. very plot-dense. And... Just the performances are on fire and yeah. the writing, like there's so many zingers. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it, you know, and so much of it is just, as we'll see, a battle between, um. Good and evil? <laughs> more and Cromwell. Yeah. Good and evil. <laughs> <laughs> which one is which? That's, that's so not even how it's portrayed. Though. No, it's not. It's yeah. so. Anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get there. Yeah, we'll get to we'll that. We'll get there. I have a lot of things to say. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, uh, Cromwell thinks that the maid is close to confessing because his niece has been spying on her. Uh, like, the, his nieces, the, the children that come into his life after his daughters die do are a unfortunate casualty of the, the adaptation process because there's, there's more about them and they're, they are involved in like his work and his, yeah. you know, anyway. His schemes. Yes. His Cromwellian schemes. Yes. Uh, which for the moment involve bringing in the, uh, the followers of the Holy Maid. Yeah. And this is a sequence where, again, I'm going to apologize in advance because I did not do a great job here. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Their names aren't clear. No. And it's also just a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. It's like seeing somebody come in, you know, to like a shooting gallery at a carnival <laughs> and just take it down. Yeah. And, you know, Cromwell just immediately mm-hmm. starts taking the wind out of everybody's sails yeah. and their faces crumple. Uh-huh. One lady is wearing a thing on her head <laughs> to the point that I wrote, what is on her head? A tissue cozy. Yeah. Like it is ridiculous. It and we is. actually see later, uh, Lady Alice Moore wearing something similar but it's like a uh-huh. it's like a it looks like a house yeah it looks like a small house <laughs> perched on the head 
But basically, he has the first one is the Bishop Fisher, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Why are you so gullible?" Like the bishop like, trying to like start things off with a blessing, and he's like, "Wait, what?" And, you know, he his whole thing is like Cromwell's like, "Yeah, um, you probably shouldn't be doing this, and I would strongly recommend that you say that you're like." have dementia <laughs> take to your bed pretend you're sick and that you didn't do anything here yeah and then there's a couple of women who yeah. are you know well, noble women yeah and they are like oh well we definitely have never talked about overthrowing the king and he's like hey um i definitely had some spies at your house yeah it's all like all these times that you were dining with princess mary like i yeah it was like the boy that brought in the asparagus that was mine and i was like see never have asparagus you are so wrong best dream last night when i was at this like high society wedding right Mm -hmm. i don't know why i was invited yeah i was the weirdest thing though is like i was sitting at this table and they like moved my table into a barn and i was like well that seems right (laughs) like i'm in there and it was like me and like some lesser bridemaids Mm -hmm. two meth heads and a very unpleasant heavy set woman (laughs) all eating there uh, but they had on the tables, they had, I don't even know what the, like the main thing of the orders right. were. It was like little tiny bundles of asparagus and this onion that you cut into, but it wasn't an onion. It was a steak. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really bizarre. Wow. It yeah, was that's... great. And now I'm awake. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like some of that like El Bully shit. There. Yeah. Oh, like, no, yeah. it totally was because the, like my, like everybody had a different main course. It was really weird. But, like, <laughs> yeah. Mine was like an omelet that like cooked itself on your plate. <laughs> oh my God. It was very strange wow yeah so that's kind of a cross between el bully and like beauty and the beast or something yeah it was real weird (laughs) there was a real vibe and people yeah yeah, people at the wedding were weird um (laughs) anyway uh so okay right back in the show (laughs) (laughs) where this did not happen (laughs) right um you know all of these people are very upset that you know cromwell has determined that they have indeed been conspiring against Mm -hmm. the king and, you know, he recommends different things to all of them, you mm-hmm. know, to Bishop Fisher. He recommends that he plead, you know, illness or his second childhood. Yeah. And to the women, he's like, you know, throw yourself on his mercy. <laughs> Tell him that you're very stupid. Yes. Tell that him you that have you have the intellect of a flea. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. And, like, he just enjoys it so much. Yeah, and they are all very put out yeah. to be put in their place by, you know, yeah. this jumped up nobody. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Bishop Fisher calls him a ruffian. I was like, everybody's a ruffian if they're not giving you what you want. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So we see Henry getting the news and he's like surprised that these people would betray him. And it's hilarious to me because it's like he clearly like forgot about the maid of uh, the holy maid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because he's just like, oh, still? <laughs> this has been happening the whole time? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Cromwell suggests that he pardon them and put them all in his debt. And Suffolk, who is there, says, pardon them and they'll play us all for fools. And then like hurls his cape over his shoulder and just looks like the biggest buffoon you can imagine. <laughs> and I can imagine a big, big buffoon. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, this basically sorted out. And th- the other thing that Suffolk does in this scene is that, 
Uh, Henry asks him if he remembers a snowball fight when they were young. Uh, and he doesn't, his face doesn't even react. There's like nothing happening in his face in response to that question. His internal monologue is do 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 snowball. Right. So like a minute later, it finally penetrates his brain and he's like, oh yeah, that snowball fight. And then him and Henry get to reminiscing about it and Cromwell's like, I'm going to get out of here. Cromwell walks in the square and where we see the holy maid chained to a post and she looks bummed out. She, she does. <laughs> she is just like, man, I can't believe I'm grounded. <laughs> Except where she's probably going to be killed. Right. Thomas More approaches and asks Cromwell, you know, how is he going to frame the charges? And Cromwell saying, you know, I don't really care what happens to her. I just want to know who all the people are who've been supporting this mm-hmm. nonsense. Thomas More kind of he's like, but I'm fine, right? Like I'm not gonna get in trouble. Like I was like cool with it, but you know I yeah. didn't really like do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Cromwell is like, ah, you're fine on this, but you're gonna have to sign an oath, and you're not gonna like it because <laughs> it names Anne the lawful queen and designates all of her children the rightful heirs, and it says Henry's like head of the church, and we all know you're still like liking the Pope, so yeah. be aware. <laughs> and Cromwell, you know, invites Thomas More to dinner, and Thomas More declines because he's like, "Oh, I would go if you were only gonna put food in my mouth, but you want to put words in as well." Mm-hmm. Boom. Ten points, Griffin Moore. <laughs> sure, yeah, um, yeah. This is a Moore's Moore's a a good good uh, opponent for Cromwell. Yeah, they're uh, they're not buddies, mm-hmm. but they you know they they have each other's number. Yeah, yeah. So. Henry and Anne are reading the law that they're going to pass, and Anne gets angry because it says what would happen in the event that she dies. And, you know, Cromwell's like, we can't exclude the possibility. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that the, then Henry could marry someone else, and like, if it was a son, then that would displace Elizabeth, and, you know, she's just very riled up about it. Which, she should know all of this. Yeah, I know. Um, and she's mad that it doesn't specify that Spanish Mary is a bastard. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Cromwell says they try to write the laws so as not to be personal. And she's like, this is personal. So yeah, she's worked up and it's, it's interesting watching Henry in this because there's a couple times where he's like rolling his eyes at her and like kind of sick of it. Yeah. But, uh, then. Well, he keeps calling her sweetheart and mm-hmm. being like, it'll be fine. You're not going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, uh, oh yeah, and we learned that Stephen Gardner has uh, kind of turned on the king, apparently, at we least don't in the find king's out what mind. He's done, yeah, but he's yeah. apparently not in the inner circle anymore. So, yeah. way to go, Ugo! <laughs> yeah, and so Anne decides that she wants Thomas More added to the list of people that are, you know, involved in the conspiracy or whatever. With Elizabeth Barton. Right, right. And. Cromwell's like, uh, and he looks at the king, and this is maybe my favorite crazy eyes expression that he delivers in this series because it's just like, there's, it's like, there's nothing there. Yeah. It's just like complete, like, it's like he changes the colors of his eyes. Who, Damien Lewis? Yeah. It's, yeah. So he's like, well, I see there's no way around this. So, yeah. Yeah. 
He's going to have to put more on the bill. So Anne follows Cromwell out, calling him Cromwell, <laughs> and she has some crazy eyes going on as well. Yeah. And she says, I won't die. I'll give the king a son, and I won't die. And then she leaves. And yeah. Cromwell's like, uh, okay. <laughs> Let me tell you a story about a woman named Liz. Yeah. She had some kids. Yeah. They were girls. Both of them. Yeah. Then she died. Very unceremoniously. Right. Like, uh, just saying. Yeah. Uh, Catherine of Aragon also thought she would give the king a son. Yep. A lot of people have thought they would give a lot of people some, and <laughs> yeah. they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we get my my favorite Norfolk scene, I think. This is so great, because I literally turned to you, and I was like, oh, okay, I see, see this guy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Moore and Audley, or Cromwell and Audley are there to try to convince him to kneel before the king to beg him to take Thomas Moore's name off the bill. Uh, saying that if it is in the bill, the commons might not pass it, and that would be bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <laughs> you know, Cromwell, or, and Norfolk's like, uh, yeah, it's the woman made to do it, and he takes things personally, which is weak. And oddly says, you could call the king weak. And Norfolk says, oh, call the king weak. Oh, you're finally speaking for yourself. Usually just like, like tweet, tweet, whatever you say, Tom. To Cromwell. To, yeah. <laughs> and, which is amazing. And Audley was like, unfollow. <laughs> yeah. Mute. Block. <laughs> <clears throat> which is great. And then, uh, immediately after that, somebody walks in the room and he's like, I think it was call me Risley, but we're not sure. Yeah. And Norfolk says, if I had a crossbow, I'd shoot your fucking head off. I said, no one in. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. Um, which is, that is what I, whenever I'm angry at somebody, like, that's what's mentally in my mind, is oh, that line. Oh, wow. Yeah. That puts the, re- the events of last summer in a <laughs> different light. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, apparently Thomas More's son-in-law is there trying to plead his case. Um... And well, they say maybe we can send Suffolk instead of Norfolk if Norfolk doesn't want to get involved, right? Uh, but uh, Suffolk, his uh, son and heir, is dying, and <laughs> Norfolk enjoys talking about the fact that he will now have to start breeding with his new wife, who is fourteen. And he says he won't leave her alone, judging by her startled reaction. <laughs> and it's like equal parts hilarious and deeply upsetting. Yes. Uh, but it is mostly hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants to get rid of his wife. And Audley's like, you've been married for 20 good years. <laughs> yeah. And he says, I know. It's like putting my person in a grizzled leather bag. And that really concerns me about getting older. Because, you know, he has options. What do you do when you're the old grizzled leather bag? <laughs> I doubt his person is that much to write home about at this point. Yeah, but I'm just saying he can improve his situation. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Anyway, well, yeah. Uh, Aging is terrible. Um, No. (laughs) Right. Uh, Anyway, Norfolk agrees that he will do it only if Cranmer does too. And why should us laymen have to get our knees dirty or whatever? So everybody shows up. It's Cranmer and Audley and Norfolk and Cromwell. They're all kneeling before the king. Mm -hmm. He's sitting there being crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And finally, he says, fine, 
<laughs> fine, but he better take that oath. Yeah. And so he, yes. you know, he walks out and they're all like, ooh. Yeah. Well, they get, they all get up, uh, except Norfolk, who stays kneeling for a second and then reaches out with his arms to hit the people on either side so that they'll help him up. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> I was typing. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, they're all like, uh, well, this seems like a Pyrrhic victory because we all know that crazy some bitch is like going to sign that oath. Yeah. And then Henry calls for Cromwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Cromwell walks in and there's like kind of a suspenseful moment because he's just, the king's just standing with his back to him looking out a window and it's like, uh, what's this about? Uh, but it turns out that he is just, uh, embarrassed to, uh, be so explicit as to say that the queen has missed her Dot, dot, dot. Right. <gasps> Her period. That's right. <laughs> yes. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I love punctuation humor. <laughs> yeah. So it's good news, and he's very happy, and he hugs Cromwell and says, this time for sure, England is ours. And Cromwell's like, oh, <laughs> hey. listen, I, it is definitely 1533, and I don't know much, <laughs> but you can never tell with these things. <laughs> right. So Thomas More is reading the oath while Cromwell and Richard Rich and Audley look on. Is somebody else there? I'm not sure. I think if it's Cran- just the three of maybe them. Maybe Cranmer. Or, no, Cranmer, no, Cranmer is, is there. Oh, is Cranmer because there? Because they because remember. Oh, right. Yeah. Because Cranmer and Audley look identical. Right. 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 Yes. I'm thinking of the previous scene. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah. there's a lot of scenes in this. There are a lot of dudes. A lot of them look alike. <laughs> So Thomas More says he can't take the oath and he says he won't speak out against it or try to dissuade anyone that he just can't take it in mm-hmm. good conscience. And everybody tries to talk him out of it. This is, a, again, a very long scene yeah. that I did not do a good job recapping because it's just it's a lot of him and Cromwell doing volleys and him just like shutting everybody else mm-hmm. down because they are not up to his intellectual par. Yeah, and the, the one line that I, I just want to work in is the one where – um Promel's saying, you know, I've loved you as a friend these years, and I would rather see, you know, I would rather my own son were killed than to see you give hope to every enemy of England by not signing this oath. And Thomas just, Thomas More just says, Oh, Gregory's a good boy. Leave him out of this. No, he says, don't wish him away. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm like, have you met him though? <laughs> he's real dumb. Right. But anyway. But good hearted kid. Yeah, but it was yeah, just yeah, such yeah. a, yeah, but it was such a, just like, you could see Cromwell be like, Ooh, you motherfucker. Yeah. So. A palpable hit. Finally, Thomas More is done playing with his food and he's like, look guys, I'm putting away my glasses. I'm out of here. Yeah. And then Cromwell asks Richard Rich what his vices are. Cause basically, just like Thomas More just gives him shit yeah. constantly. Yeah. Richard Rich is like, I was a kid. He just always yells at me. <laughs> <laughs> and Cromwell is really annoyed because he's mm-hmm. like, look people, he's been planning this forever. He wrote this play years ago, and he sniggers every time I trip over my lines. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I bet you wish he'd said that while he was in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long did it take you to come up with that crummy? Oh, yeah. this is, I think, the first time that we see the king call him crumb. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 It's like, ugh, not a great nickname. No. Like, get some pointers from George W. Bush, please. <laughs> Cooterburger. <laughs> I think about that episode of 30 Rock all the time when Jack Donaghy pulls the lampshade and it's a candle. <laughs> no, there's no leak. I can show you the study. Um, 
<laughs> so we see Jane Seymour walking with Jenny Lee. Um, she wonders if it's already decided what the queen's baby will be and that she might like a baby. And Jane Rochford is just like giving her shit this whole time and like telling her, like making fun of her family. And Jane's just like, oh, uh, whatever. No, it's more like she's like, duh. <laughs> and like Jane Rochford has to like close her mouth for her. <laughs> yeah. And finally she has the great line, oh God, it's like baiting a field mouse. <laughs> Which is a sweet burn, which we don't get to bask in for yeah, very long at all. Sadly, because there's blood on the floor, and there's a whole trail of blood, and at the end of the trail is Anne, who is sobbing. Um, and just, Jesus Christ, to have that, like, one of the worst moments of your entire life, and who's there to comfort you? Fucking Jane Rochford. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> your sister-in-law who hates you. Yeah. This is how life works. This is why no one should have a family. (laughs) In his cell, which is pretty freaking nice for a cell, Thomas More asks after the queen and oddly does not even answer. And Mm. he says, you have to choose yes or no. And Thomas More is like, I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to dignify this with a response. And I'm like, I don't, this is not going to work out for you, dude. Yeah. And I don't think he thinks that it does, but I think... From a moral perspective, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just saying I've seen Christian martyrs who were way bigger badasses than this. Okay? This is true. Um, because if his point is that to acknowledge Henry as the head of the church is to turn his back on God, then it's his duty to denounce this right. publicly. Yeah. And save other souls, right? I mean, that used to be his jam. Right. Was saving the other souls. Yeah. Uh, which we get to here shortly, <laughs> yeah. actually, because he's going on and on about this. And finally, Cromwell's had enough and he sort of stalks away and he says, oh, you know, he wants to be a martyr. Mm-hmm. And Thomas More's like, what? No, I don't harm anybody. And then Cromwell just lays into him and he names all of the names of the people that he tortured. Yeah. I mean, Cromwell, like, actually kind of loses it in this scene Mm -hmm. this is one of the few times you actually see him lose it yeah like out of anger yeah and he is just like remember all these guys and you know you you uh what was his name bainham bainham yeah bainham you tortured him so badly in your home in your own home that they had to carry him in a chair to be burned at the stake yeah and he says you know you should be counting your blessings that we don't use your own methods against you yeah and He's just so upset, mm-hmm. and basically mm-hmm. then, you know, it's clear that Thomas More is not going to do anything to help himself or hurt himself. Yeah. So, oddly, is like, well, we're uh, moving to indictment and trial, so we'll see you in court. Yeah. The people's court. <laughs> it's very much not. <laughs> um. So Cromwell tells more. Now, now Everybody else is yeah. Left. Now it's just them in the room, and he tells them about how he was a serving boy at Lambeth, and uh, had asked more what was in the book he was reading at the time, and he said words, just words, um, which is uh, annoying. Yeah, it's annoying, and it's also annoying because it's a Shakespearean reference, even though it's like still a hundred years before Shakespeare. Come I mean. <laughs> Maybe Shakespeare was quoting Thomas More as a 14-year-old. Did you think of that? He no, stole most of his work. That's true. That's <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. He, he found his teenage diary, and that's... And incidentally, it's not words, just words. It's words, words, words. Yeah. So yeah. don't step to me, I madam. understand. Um, yeah, More doesn't remember their meeting, and of course he doesn't. And it's not... This is one of the things that I... 
like the only thing that I don't really think totally works in this episode is, you know, trying to make a thing of the fact that they knew each other when they were kids. And there's a scene with a recorder later that just kind of left me cold. Um, I but, like that scene. Okay. You know why? Why? Because it confirms my belief that Thomas More is an unrepentant dickweed. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that was the message of the scene for sure. I so. mean, that's the message of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and again, it's like he could have fled the country. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have done any number of things mm-hmm. other than the dumb shit that he does. Yeah. And... I never learned that much about Thomas More, and mm-hmm. we've discussed this already right, on the right. podcast because obviously you know more because mm-hmm. he's one of your namesakes. Yeah. which shudder. Yeah. Uh, but it's just like what an idiot, you know? Because yeah. I mean, I'm again very philosophically aligned with Anne, who says I think a person should say whatever will keep them alive. Right, but I mean, you got to hand it to like there's a sense in which Thomas More wins this episode because it's like this episode exists. The A Man for All Seasons, ex- or is that yeah, that's him, yes, A Man for All Seasons Beckett exists also. Is that about this, or is that about something else? Um, yeah, I don't know, but the, I think it's about a person named Beckett. Yeah, possibly Thomas a Beckett. Yeah, that yeah. guy. I don't yeah. know what that's about, but also there's a cathedral and a prison. <laughs> right, uh, but anyway, like most of what we still remember him for is this, mm-hmm. you know, and like and Utopia, but that would just like nobody would remember that much about him if that was all it was. Well, also nobody would remember it without the movie Ever After. <laughs> So <laughs> right, which really brought it uh, to greater prominence in our national consciousness. Did it not? <laughs> Had you heard of it before? Ah, uh, yeah. Shut up, Tom. <laughs> Shut up, Amy. <laughs> Just rewiring those old neural pathways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to that being organic. No, I understand, but. You know, when it's embedded in larger phonemes like shut up, Tom, yeah. which becomes one, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah I understand. Very confusing. Yeah. You should have heard me on the phone with my parents today. I was like, because <laughs> it is, it's all, it's like a time travel problem. Yeah. Where yeah. I'm like, I'm talking about people right. and like you before you told them and things that happened. Yeah. And then I'm like, ah! <laughs> my dad was like, don't worry about it. I'm going to be messing it up forever. And I'm like, yeah, I know you are. <laughs> I live in the Bay Area, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be in the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Correct gender pronouns and never showing up on time to fucking anything. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh-oh, sounds like somebody had a grumpy time today. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, uh, it also turns out that Tyndale has been caught, which is left a little ambiguous in here. If I recall correctly, the book was very clear that it was Moore's agents that caught him. Yeah. Like when Moore tries to pretend like he hadn't, it was like, mm-hmm. I heard this crazy rumor, like that some agents possibly paid by me, like tricked him into getting captured. Well, I think they want this whole thing. And I think you're right. They want this whole thing to seem more ambiguous mm-hmm. for whatever reason than it is in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. They're trying to make a cipher of Thomas Moore. Yeah. Cromwell is explaining where they stand with Thomas More to the king and to Queen Anne. And Anne blames More's intransigence on her queenship and says that she in England will have no peace until Bishop Fisher, who is also, you know, not signing the oath and More mm-hmm. are dead. And Anne says that More's silence reveals treason, even though he hasn't like officially said anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm with her. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, that's where it's clearly going to go. Right. It doesn't matter if he actually says anything. Mm-hmm. He's been given this order, like, hey, you sign this. Yeah. Or 
you know, else. And mm-hmm. we're still at the point where, or else from the government, <laughs> you're dead. Right. And Anne wants them to torture him until he says this, but right. Cromwell very firmly says, we don't do that. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, it is. Well, and then Anne, like, stalks out of the room, and whoever else is there, like, Jane or somebody. It wasn't, it was a random person, because I didn't yeah. recognize her face. Yeah, it was just, like, scurrying after her. And Henry just, like, uh, uh. <laughs> He reminds me of my old boss anytime anything would happen. He's like, I don't, I don't speak English, suddenly. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> so, he he's trying to blame this on Anne's grief, which I would say is maybe like 15% mm-hmm. of what's going on here. Right. And then Henry has decided that all this is because Catherine didn't have a son and now she's ill wishing him. Yeah. And she lies between him and Anne. And I'm With like, her you, cold heart. you are crazy. Yeah. Like, do you think this is really happening? Or <laughs> right. like, is this a metaphor? Because I don't think you know the difference. Right. And so that's, and that's clearly what Cromwell is thinking as he's listening yeah. to all this. He's like, eee. And then Henry is upset because they burned the fetus before he could see if it was a boy. And Cromwell tries to console him by saying, you might not have even been able to tell. Mm-hmm. And then he starts, and I didn't write all the, yeah, but he's, he's basically, you add Thomas More, or, you know, you, you, He's saying that he, what he says is that the legal case against Thomas More is, right, right, is very and then, slender. And then the king is like, do you, do I keep you for what is easy? And he just like goes off and he's like, I keep you because you are a serpent. Yeah. So make this happen. Yeah. And it's and, great. And Cromwell's face is like, Oh, I thought you liked me. <laughs> no, he I mean, didn't. <laughs> Come on. I know, but it, it, he takes a bit of a hit on that. He, you know. He likes to think of himself as a bit more than a serpent, but but that's the point of him. Yeah, he it is in the the nooks and the crannies. Mm-hmm. Uh, know, they don't have let's kill all the lawyers to fall back on yet. <laughs> yeah, then there's a fun little scene with Hans Holbein. Um, who I don't know if he has any other scenes in the show, but I I like him. He's around in the book a lot more, right? Like they're yeah. friends, yeah, yeah, they're friends. He's each. Get some commissions and stuff. Uh, but so Cromwell is sitting for his portrait, which you can see the Frick collection in New York if you want. It's in the same room as a portrait of Thomas More. Didn't you send me a photo of that? I think I did. I think you did too. Yeah. That sounds like a very you thing to send me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so Cromwell is staring at uh, his favorite tapestry he with loves his damn much. favorite lady in it. Uh, and can you imagine if like the only representation is somebody that you thought was hot was a tapestry that wasn't even like based on that just yeah, coincidentally yeah. looks like her. and just that was it yeah oh my god yeah people like this bitch about snapchat but i'm glad <laughs> <it> now <laughs> so um do you think people like wove like dick tapestries <laughs> like secret tapestries of people's dicks I'd say probably. I would also say probably. <laughs> like, people have been horny for millennia. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only reason we exist. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, so Holbein knows about the woman in Antwerp and wants to know why Cromwell doesn't go back and claim her. And he says, among other things, that he's different now. And Holbein says, yeah, you're rich. <laughs> <laughs> Holbein, you're all right. <laughs> That's right. Um... But yes, he then says, uh, he then says that, uh, he thinks that there is another woman in Cromwell's heart, which, uh, is great because just at that moment, Joan. Okay, yeah, so apparently we've been saying her name wrong because she, 
later says her name and it's Joan. Yeah. So. So sorry, Joan. Yeah. Uh, maybe spell your name different. Yeah. Maybe tell your parents to quit fucking around. Yeah. Like she, she should be like, call me Joan. Like call me Risley. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so Joan's like, yep, this is, seems to happen all the fucking time to me and announces that Thomas Moore's wife is there. She really does take a beating. She does. I feel so bad for her. Yeah. Cause it, you know, it, cause it's like, you can't even be mad. Yeah. You can't even be mad. Yeah. You can't even be mad. Yeah. I mean, she is mad. Right. But she can't be mad. Right. <sighs> yeah. It's the worst. It's tough. Don't bone down with your dead sister's husband yeah one thing that was actually kind of made me feel like relieved to remember from the book that's a minor detail but he's got a few different houses and there's a few years here where she's really making sure to not stay at the same house as him yes which is like oh good because that would like god so let's just assign that to show joan she's definitely doing that this is a total coincidence yes Cromwell greets Lady Alice in his... Is it his study? Uh, let's call it his yeah. study. So yeah. he's, he's in his study, and she compliments the room, and is like, oh, this was a real shit pile last time I was here. <laughs> and then she says something to the effect of, uh, my husband used to say, oh, you know, put Thomas, uh, put Thomas Cromwell in a dungeon, and by the evening, he'll be sitting on a pillow, and people will be bringing him gifts and stuff. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, did he talk often about putting me in a dungeon? <laughs> and she was like, oh, uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. That's not the note I wanted to strike. <laughs> so she, oh God. Okay. Yeah, this so scene. first of all, Cromwell sits like next to her. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't go sit behind his desk, which is clearly what she's expecting. Right. And he just sits and talks with her basically as a friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she is so upset and she wonders why Cromwell has been so good to her family. Yeah. Uh, and she says, oh, Cromwell always has another trick. And he says, born tricky, can't help it. Yeah. I need that, like, <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so she goes into this monologue that I'm not even really going to try yeah. to recreate because she's just worried that Thomas More is cold. Mm-hmm. And that's all she, she keeps coming back to this and she yeah. says he's not writing to her. He's only writing to his daughter. And, you know, they haven't really been married. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not just in a sexual sense, but yeah. just like they haven't been partners in a long time. But mm-hmm. she says, you know, they, they did have dealings with one another once. And mm-hmm. when someone is, has yeah. been this to you and she's just trying so hard to hold on to her dignity. Yeah. And failing. I mean, you know, and not, yeah. not because she isn't dignified, but she's just so upset yeah. by this whole thing. Yeah. And I, this might be the best scene of the entire show. Yeah. And it's a character who is only in what, two, maybe three scenes? Yeah. Yeah. And she's amazing. She says, "You you tell my husband for me. Does he think oh, it does he I think forgot. it's does he think it's clever leaving his wife without company, his son without guidance, his daughter without protection, and all of us in the power of a man like you? Ah, man. And Cromwell's like, that's the most persuasive, like, that's the most yeah. persuasive thing. And he, you know, Cromwell's almost like, I wish I had thought of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, but the worst thing is she says that to him. But as she's saying it, I mean, she's crying because she knows what kind of man he is. Yeah. And she knows that he's irrational. Yeah. And that he isn't thinking about anybody but himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She says, I no more understand him than I do the Holy Trinity. 
God, it was just great. Like, we both teared up. Oh, like, my God. We yeah. were very, very distraught. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were, it's okay. <laughs> yes. It is very affecting. That's right. Yeah, so make sure I'm on the lookout to see if any other scene is better than that one. Okay. Because it's also, but it's just so concise. Yeah, yeah. It's so well rendered on every level. Mm-hmm. She's also wearing one of those weird Kleenex cozies <laughs> yes. on her head. Yeah. Uh, which is the Spanish fashion, and so... Oh, so they're all wearing it in support of Catherine. Yeah, I see. so that's why both of the women that were getting interviewed earlier had the same kind mm-hmm. of style. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. The more you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Incidentally, we totally are going to do a Regency fashion backwards. Amy repeats history. Mm-hmm. We just haven't had time to research it yet. Yeah. I'm just letting everybody know. Yeah. The, the, the tumult has mostly ended, but now we've got some traveling. But yeah. Soon. Yeah. Eventually. Soon. It'll happen. Soon. It could happen. <laughs> Cromwell tells Moore that they're going to be taking his books and papers. And he shows him the oath one last time, tells him that Meg has signed it. Uh, but, you know, still no dice. He's not going to do it. Cromwell suggests that Moore throw himself on the king's mercy uh, and ask him if he isn't afraid of the pain. Uh, and he says, of course he is, but he will only feel it for a moment and God will not let him remember it afterward. Um, and he's he's got other lines in here. He says that... Uh, um, he, well, he says, when we meet in heaven, as I hope we will. Which, but I mean, and this is also acted so well because yeah. it's like, you know, he's well aware that this is probably the last conversation he's going to have with Cromwell. Yeah. And they, you know, as much as they annoy each other and mm-hmm. get on one another's nerves, they both fundamentally are in agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, the, Red Scott talks about this all the time. Like mm-hmm. people who should fundamentally agree with each other get in these really nasty arguments mm. about minutia. Mm-hmm. And I don't always agree with his, you know, assessment, but it's that yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he also says that, you know, the king isn't a cruel man. And Moore says he didn't used to be. He's changed the company he keeps. Yeah. But yeah. I think that is a false equivalency. I, th- you know, I mean, I, I do, think, yeah, I think the King wanted to be crueler. Mm-hmm. So he changed the company. He <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that, uh, yeah. And he, he talks about how, you know, the only, the only ground I have is Thomas More, And if you want it, you will, I won't, I will not yield it. If you want it, you will have to take it. And I mean, I have, I have a certain amount of respect for this. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, this is not the hill I personally would die on. Right. Right, but it is for him. Um, so Cromwell gets up to leave, and before he leaves, he says that he would have let him go and let let him live to repent his tortures and whatnot if he were king. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the scene. Well, and I don't think Moore was expecting that. Yeah. I think Moore, Moore has, I mean, Moore doesn't think that Cromwell's a bad person if he does truly think that they're going to see each other in heaven. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... You know, but I don't think that he was expecting that Cromwell would take the time right. to be like, hey, I really don't want this to happen to you. Yeah. I have to carry it out, but yeah. I wouldn't if I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. 
So then Cromwell goes to Richard Rich and tells him to take Moore's books away. And Richard Rich is like, oh, I'll get some. He's like, no, like, I want you to do it. Mm -hmm. So then we cut to the courtroom. Right. Where they're bringing in Thomas Moore. And Audley says if the jury throws out their case that the king will skin them alive. And then somebody, I'm not sure who, says, no, the queen will. Mm -hmm. And Yeah. And Norfolk complains about the fact that his silence doesn't prove anything. And he says that it's bollocks. And Audley's like, well, it is a maxim of the common law. And he says, still bollocks. <laughs> so Moore's brought up and he's limping as if he's been whipped. Yeah. And they're all like, oh, somebody's clever. Yeah. And then Richard Rich examines Moore and Moore, he says that while he was collecting his things, which mm-hmm. clearly Cromwell had. Yeah. Cromwell had an endgame. That's right. And he says while he was collecting his books and papers that Moore talked shit about Parliament and denied the king's title mm-hmm. and said, you know, that if Parliament says that anybody is God or that the king is the head of the church, mm-hmm. that it doesn't hold. Yeah. And uh, this is where we actually find out that Richard Rich is Solicitor General. Yeah, yeah. And the court, uh, you know, eventually finds Moore guilty of treason. Well, because Moore starts just, like, shit-talking him mercilessly. No. No? They, okay, well, so I, I skipped a couple – so – Rich is examining him and right. the, the court is like, Oh, did you like say all this stuff? And he's like, No, dude, I never would have said that to Richard Rich. Yeah. And Richard Rich, or no, I think it's like Cromwell who says, Oh yeah, you would have said it because you don't think he's important. Mm-hmm. And then the court is just like, Okay, whatever. You're guilty of treason. And they're like, Oh wait, did you want to say anything? And he's <laughs> like, Well, yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then, yeah, he says that, you know, the king has no authority. He denounces the authority of the court. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, the devil have you, et cetera. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, uh, he's going all in. Yeah. It's like, you know, against your parliament, I have all the general councils of the church uh-huh. and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and everybody is like, oh my God. Oh yeah. There is much hubbub. They are freaking out. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, muttering and yep. rabble, rabble, rabble. <laughs> Red leather, yellow leather. <laughs> Uh, Rafe brings Cromwell some papers and Moore's prayer book. Uh, and he tells Cromwell that he had no choice. He had to do, you know, he had to get Moore killed. Um, I and- love it when, like, his staff tries to reassure him. Like, yeah. I know. I just still feel bad. Yeah. I thought this through. Yeah. Uh, God, Rafe is great. Um, yeah, then Rafe leaves and he's like, well, I have to go turn this kid into a tree. <laughs> yeah. See you next summer. <laughs> Meanwhile, Cromwell has a flashback uh, to the bringing bread to Moore, uh, and this is intercut with Moore being led to his execution. So, baby Cromwell is watching some guys who are playing some kids playing soccer. Actually, and- it's probably football. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I, sorry. Uh, and baby Moore is up playing the recorder uh, at, at his window up in his fancy room. And then he, like, sees baby Cromwell looking at him, and so he, like, closes well, the door. Well, baby Cromwell waves. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I like it. Okay. I'm it like, just, hey, you're a jerk. Yeah, it just didn't quite land for me for whatever reason, but if it worked for you, it worked for you. I mean, you know, for me, it's like, you know, this is just more closing another door. Yeah. I'm saying he knows better than Cromwell, mm-hmm. and his reward will be greater than Cromwell's. Mm-hmm. His achievements will be greater. Yeah. You know, and to a degree, he was right. Yeah. I mean, in terms of how history regarded everybody. For involved. sure. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Cromwell is, or Moore is executed. 
So Joan finds Cromwell sick in bed, and he is calling her Liz again, but not quite. Right. Because he's delirious with fever. Yeah. So it's not quite as bad. Right. But she's still not thrilled. <laughs> she's still like, come well, because on. what he's saying is, Liz, let me love her. Yeah. And she's like, oh my fucking God. Like, yeah. talk about a woman lying between people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. she says fetch dr butt and we laughed so hard yeah so cromwell's household gathers as he's examined by the doctor and cromwell tries to say it's a fever he got in italy from a mm-hmm. snake you know he's just delirious yeah. at this point and the doctor's like okay he says let's say that it is <laughs> and then cromwell says that if he's dying they have to get gregory because he has things he has to say to him uh mm. bad news gregory's already here yeah uh and he's wearing a very stupid hat <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Cromwell is sort of fading in and out of consciousness. He sees Grace in her wings. Mm-hmm. Seems like a bad omen. Yeah. Uh, seeing a dead person. Yeah. Doesn't seem cool. Mm-hmm. And he convulses in the night while Rafe holds his hand. And, yeah. You know, it's clear there's nothing. Yeah. Nothing much anybody can do. No. And it's like this entire household is fucked. Yep. Like if he dies. Like... Talk about being at the mercy of somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people hate this guy. <laughs> yeah. And if he's gone, you have nowhere to hide. Yep. Uh, so Cromwell seems to wake up, but he's sitting next to Liz, or lying next to Liz. And she is weaving some threads together with her fingers, and he asks her to slow down so he can see how she does it. And she's like, I can't slow down. If I stop to think about how to do it, I can't do it, which is a nice little moment. Uh, but then he wakes up in reality and Liz is not there because of course she's dead. But apparently real Cromwell is feeling better because he goes into his study and Rafe is like, uh, without any kind of Cromwell, you're dead man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so without any preamble, Cromwell just starts dictating this King's summer progress Yeah, and he goes through a whole list and then he stops and he adds five days at Wolf Hall, the title <laughs> in case you forgot. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, they, we see Cromwell walking with the King and they greet Sir John at Wolf Hall. Everybody at Wolf Hall yeah. can't even believe it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you see a little bit of Jane Seymour behind Jimmy Kent Yeah, and it's like, is this part of your plan, Light Yagami? <laughs> yeah. No, and and so the last shot is is actually sort of what the last shot is of is something you can't see because Jane's like in the very back mm-hmm. and she just sort of is like kind of looking at them and like, you know, and like that's it. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. Because that's her whole thing is she's like always like hiding in the background being as unobtrusive as possible. And yet... She's maybe had to plan all this time. Maybe like, she has. We don't know. Yeah. Those sinners at Wolf Hall. <laughs> that's, that's who can right. tell? Yeah. <laughs> so that's been episode four. Mm-hmm. We'll be back with episode five. That's right. Until next time. Up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out.